0: It's our third and final hour, and I've been telling you all day, um, for the last two hours at least, uh, that I was looking forward to this this conversation. Uh, Looking forward to it because um, I think this is a low point, Uh, another low point. There have been many uh, in our democracy, Uh, and I wanted to spend an hour really sort of unpacking um, what happened uh, in Alabama. And uh, I am pleased to have uh, Professor Joy James with us in this hour, who I'll introduce here uh, more robustly in just a moment. But let me just tell you, uh, you all saw the news about this brother, uh, this man, Kenneth Smith, who was uh, put to death, executed in Alabama. I mentioned earlier in today's program that the states, uh, doing some research on this last night, preparing for Professor James, uh, the two states uh, that uh, last year, executed more people than all the other states combined, basically. Uh, Florida and Texas. This happened in Alabama. But Florida and Texas lead this country still uh, in executions. But this happened in Alabama. And let me just give you some backstory, and then we'll bring in Professor James, a brilliant philosopher for the rest of uh, this hour. So who was Kenneth James and— Kenneth Smith, rather. She's she's Joy James. His name is Kenneth Smith, uh, the executed. Who was Kenneth Smith? Pardon me. And what was his crime? Here's the quick backstory. So Kenneth Eugene Smith was 58, and was one of three men convicted in the stabbing murder of Elizabeth Dorleen Sennett, who was 45, when her husband, a church pastor, church pastor, recruited these three men to kill her in March of 1988 in Colbert County, Alabama. According to court documents, Ms. Sennett, a mother of two, was stabbed 10 times in the attack by Mr. Smith and another man. Charles Sennett Sr., Ms. Sennett's husband, had recruited these men to handle her killing, uh, and uh, they in turn recruited Mr. Smith and another man. So Mr. Sennett hired a particular man, we are told, who then recruited Mr. Kenneth Smith and another man to aid and abet him uh, in this murder of Mr. Senate's wife, Mr. Senate, we are told Pastor Senate arranged the murder in part to collect an insurance policy that he had taken out on his wife. According to court records, he had promised them men one thousand dollars each for the killing. That's their, that That was their take. That was their takeaway. One thousand dollars each. They were promised for killing the pastor's wife, a killing that he set in place. Uh, In November of 2022, the state of Alabama tried to execute Mr. Smith using lethal injection. But that night, a team of correctional facility workers tried uh, and repeatedly failed to insert an intravenous line into Mr. Smith's arms and hands. Uh, Eventually, they tried a vein near his heart. But finally, after multiple attempts, prison officials decided that they did not have the time to carry out the execution before the death warrant expired at midnight. So because they couldn't get this, uh, um, uh, this line in his arm, this intravenous line in his arm uh, kept failing and failing at that attempt. Uh, The clock is running out. Um, These States all issued death warrants and the death warrant had to be carried out by a certain time. And they realized they weren't going to have time to carry it out by midnight before the death warrant expired. Uh, And so, uh, miraculously, pretty amazingly, Kenneth Smith survived the attempt to execute him back in 2022. But that did not stop the state of Alabama from coming back in 2024. And in 2024, rather than uh, lethal injection, they decided to gas him, to suffocate him to death. Uh, And so, for the first time ever, on record, we now know that uh, a state in this country has used nitrogen gas uh, to put someone to death. Um, I'm looking forward to the dialogue on this hour because there are many of you, uh, including uh, black folk. I know a whole lot of black folk who are not against the death penalty. Many of us are. Uh, We're against it. We want to abolish it. But there are others uh, who are not against the death penalty, and you are certainly entitled to your own opinion. Uh, But what is incontrovertible uh, is the way we go about applying the death penalty in this country, the data, is incontrovertible. And even if you believe in the death penalty, are you okay with suffocating for 22 minutes somebody to death? That's what it took 22 minutes for him to finally die from suffocation. Uh, we don't want to call it what it is, but that's exactly what it is. Suffocated for 22 minutes. Talk about cruel and unusual. Talk about pain and suffering. Talk about torture. Even if you're for the death penalty, are you down with that? The conversation with Professor Joy James commences when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed. So now that I've given you the backstory to who Kenneth Smith is, uh, what um, uh, the crime was he was accused of and found guilty of, uh, and how they tried to uh, execute him in 2022, came back again in 2024. He survived the lethal injection then. So now they enter nitrogen gas into the situation. And he is the first American um, uh, that we know of who has uh, been put to death, gas to death, basically, by nitrogen. And uh, the question is whether or not that represents a low point in this so-called democracy. Joy James is an author and professor of humanities and political science at Williams College, and I am delighted to have this philosopher on our program. Professor James, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You know, it's under very serious conditions and discussion, but I appreciate being able to speak with you and your audience you
0: know, about what we're facing. No, uh, I'm glad to have you on. And I let me just say at the outset, I, I, I specifically I have a number of brilliant philosophers who are in my Rolodex. Uh, many of them you hear on this program are routinely. But this is one of those moments where uh, I wanted to talk specifically and unapologetically to a philosopher, uh, not a politician. Uh, We did talk to the former governor of Ohio, uh, Professor James, earlier in today's program, uh, Dick Celeste. When he was governor of Ohio, he commuted a number of uh, death row inmate sentences. Um, uh, And so he knows something about what it means to be the governor who has the opportunity to commute. And he took advantage of that a number of times uh, when he was governor, again, of the Buckeye State. Uh, That did not happen, of course, in Alabama. And the Supreme Court uh, did not get involved to stay the life uh, of uh, Kenneth Smith. But but I don't even know where to start. Um, broadly speaking, uh, let me just ask you this, and we'll 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 move through this hour and kind of narrow it, I, I guess. Um, but your are opening your opening salvo, your opening thoughts about what all this means.
1: I well, just as a person and as a citizen, however, we describe that, and I'm not, and I include everyone who's here in this country as being part of the democracy, which is an ongoing project that keeps you know falling off the rails because of state violence. Mm. I, we're facing violence on so many registers, right? And even the way you described it, and you were, you were clear, you were precise, but even the description of that murder, of that mother and that wife, obviously married to the wrong person,
2: mm.
1: that was horrific. But we can't respond to one horror with another form of horror particularly if the people who hold the the levers of the machine i mean it it takes 22 minutes to die because you want to do an experimental execution because you've run out of lethal injection drugs so it's it's the machinery of death that we have to confront and then we have to figure a way to bring it to a halt mm
0: what do you I, I love the phrase although I, I hate the I hate I hate what what what's behind it but i I'm i I hear the phrase and it it jumped out at me um that this is a part of a machinery of death that's your phrase machinery of death what do you make of America's fascination America's embrace there's a better word of uh, America's activation I could do this all day long of this machinery of death professor James oh yeah
1: America the u.s right because i mean we got north you know central south the Mm -hmm. americas i mean this is this is you know a very long you know horrible play on genocide i mean we could you know this this is such an important question I'm, i'm sort of I'm started stuttering over it because it's just so massive. The country was built on death.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the accumulation, like, how do you get the land? Through killing, right? Through genocide of indigenous. After you traffic and put them into slavery, like, you know, shipping people down to the Caribbean, dying incredibly fast rates. You need more labor. What do you do? You go to the continent and then you get us. So war on land, a war for death and capture on land, war on water, you know, the Atlantic where I don't, it's uncountable how many people of African descent died. And then war on new land when you come to the Americas or to the United States. The nation has accumulated its wealth, its prestige, its power basically through death. Mm. And I think it's difficult for us to grapple with that because we pay taxes, either, you know, it's local, state or federal taxes. So you're paying for these executions, whether there, are I was listening to, you know, your news feeds and updates, well, before we came on in this conversation, but there's a discussion of Tyree Nichols' family mm-hmm. suing right? mm-hmm. the Memphis city Hilli- You could think about other executions. You could think about um, Troy Davis, who the Pope asked for commutation, like not to be executed because the police had fabricated. And I know that's not the case here. Mm -hmm. But so much of death, it comes too easily to the state. And I guess that's why I called it a machinery, because if it felt like humans who had sensibilities, who had emotional registers, who understood grief, understood trauma, who could listen to what the families wanted, right? Who could listen to what the community wanted? They wouldn't be so efficient in killing, Mm -hmm. both abroad and at, quote, home. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have, I not, I don't think we have a massive problem on our hands here. There's the way that People are dying as individuals, and people are dying in mass and the state machinery, which is a form of war machinery, you can see these executions as a form of warfare and I mean, if you think back to our history of black people, right because I was thinking a lot while I was listening again to the intro and so much information about culture and art and sports and protecting the environment, but I was also thinking about history mm-hmm. if the state had had its way they would have killed Ida B Wells mm. if the state had had its way you know with governor ronald reagan he would have put angela davis to death
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we
1: we want justice but a machine of death is not a form of
0: justice it is a form of control mm. mm-hmm. um there's so many. I, I can do this all day long if I had the time. There's so many contradictions uh, in this country, uh, and again, mm-hmm. I, I don't have time to walk through all of them. But I'm I'm, I'm listening to you intently, and I, as you break this down so brilliantly, uh, particularly the part about you know the state-sanctioned violence, this machinery of death. I'm, I'm still on that. I'm, I'm going to move in a second, but I ain't ready to move yet. <laughs> I want to stay with this notion of state-sanctioned <laughs> violence and this notion of this machinery of death, as you put it, um, and What I'm thinking now, Professor James, is how one juxtaposes all of that. How do you juxtapose this state-sanctioned violence? How do you juxtapose this machinery of death with the other notion that we advance of in God we trust, that we are a nation that believes in the creator et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I had time, I could break this down. I don't need to for you because you see exactly where mm-hmm. I'm going. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a glaring contradiction, right? That that yeah, that, that, God, yeah. that that we that we that we believe in a God mm-hmm. it's on our it's on on our it's on our it's on our tender. We believe in a God who gives life uh, we believe that God is supreme. We believe that God is sovereign, and yet He gives life, and we think that we are somehow endowed with the ability to make a decision to take life. There, there is, a, there's, there's a serious contradiction, and there, there are many others. But let's just start with that, with the contradiction that is America, at least as it relates to i to I, to the ideals that we profess. Yeah, America was
1: always. A project for accumulation, but also, a, you know, a portrait of hypocrisy. You know, it's it, in God we trust. I mean, commerce in commerce, America trusts, or mm-hmm. the United States trusts. Mm-hmm. Like in accumulation, we trust. In domination, we trust. In militarism, we trust. Mm. Like, I would give an example about death. So, I grew up in a military family, right? With an officer. And, you know, at at one point, my politics shifted, right? I'm grateful for that. But at one point, you know, I'm a military brat, and so I'm gonna be an ROTC. And a lot of this trust, you know, that you place in the government and the whole notion of loyalty and discipline and following orders and so forth, you know, on and on and on. It's drilled into us, Mm -hmm. literally drilled, just like a, a military performance of a regime, you know, of conformity. Well, what I remember is the contradictions that the black officers had. Mm. Because my father was an officer in Vietnam, and that means that, you know, they knew what they were doing. They would also say, I'm not going to be a cook, I'm going to be an officer, I'm going to take this job under, you know, the imprint of an empire we trust. I'll just call it that. Mm -hmm. But you end up, right, losing your soul
2: Mm. if
1: you engage and a loyalty oath to a machine that reproduces death. 55,000 U.S. service people or personnel die. Two to three million Vietnamese die. The latter is a genocide. And somehow you have to reconcile, how is it that this country that is supposed to be so caring and so forward-thinking, like the shining light or whatever on the hill... How is it that it is so steeped in violence, in the culture, in the lynching, in the dishonor, in the, you know, it is ongoing slaughter.
2: Mm.
1: Even if it's not physical slaughter, it's the evisceration of your dignity as being a person of African descent, of having a child who's non binary, of having a woman who needs care and reproductive rights. This is a very intrusive democracy that seeks control through various forms of violence. If we cannot control it, mm. and that's a real thing, yeah, because we were actually the objects of its capture, and that also we generated its wealth through all that labor, right? But if we cannot control it, we should be very, very skeptical about validating it.
0: Mm-hmm. What That's powerful. Um, what what do you see as the price or the price is that the demos pays for being in a republic that is so steeped in violence?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's that shining thing on the hill. We like what glitters, right? But it's all it's not gold, right? Mm-hmm. It's of gold. So, like if you go back to Athens, you know, um, ancient Greece. Culture was supposed to be like this you know oh highbrow i don 't even have the words right now because I'm so upset about the the proximity of death and dishonor that we have to participate through this, but anyway, so this notion that a democracy right would have the people who are worthy of participation in deciding the rule of law or order, the advancement of culture, but if what we know of its, you know, the architecture of its, like, template that it's reaching back to is that really only the elites could actually vote. And if you think of the way in which the Voting Rights Act is being eviscerated under the Supreme Court and how we had to fight for it and people had to lose their lives, their lives were taken by the state, by the Klan, by the police in order to have the right to vote, it's a slippery promise, right? Mm-hmm. It's already destabilized because it's so violent, but it's also destabilized because we as citizens or communities have little say about how the democracy conducts itself. It does a lot of performance play. Like, we're the only or the greatest democracy. We care about people within the U.S., you know, people died from poisoned water in Flint, Michigan.
2: Mm-hmm. Isn't
1: that a form of execution? People die when they're beaten to death. People die in the cold when they're unhoused.
2: Mm-hmm. People
1: die, We, you know, through Serena Williams almost died giving birth, and she has money. Mm-hmm. But the way in which medical care is meted out, the way in which dishonor and brutality are meted out, why would you trust the state to be in charge of life and death? It is not a proxy god; it is a machinery.
0: Hmm. You got my you got <laughs> you got my mind working here. Um, I never thought about it in the way you just laid it out. That America really uh, is executing people every day. Uh, this oh, di- this democracy yeah. executes people every day. You heard Professor James as clearly as I heard her. And I'm not talking about executing us out of a prison uh, uh, a cell. Uh, I'm talking about what she's talking about. We execute black mothers when we don't give them good maternal health. We execute the homeless when we're out in the cold and they die. I don't need to repeat what she said. You heard her. But I never kind of never quite thought about the way we execute people every day in this country uh, because, to her point, uh, we are a nation that is steeped in violence, uh, state Sanction violence, a machinery of death, as she put it. And I love her question. If you see the way we execute people every day in all kinds of spaces and places, then why would you trust the government to be the one uh, to be in charge of this particular project? In case you've just tuned in, we're talking about um, the execution of Kenneth Smith, uh, first American that we know of, uh, who, who the state suffocated to death with uh, nitrogen gas and um uh, we come forward i want to talk about the way they frame this as 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 humanitarian um that's the way they framed it that it was the humanitarian thing to do to suffocate somebody for 22 minutes is her humanitarian and i want to get her take specifically on this will be fun and interesting uh, I want to talk specifically about black folk and the death penalty because not all of us are monolithic. We're not a monolith, obviously. We are not all for the same about this. And I've talked to, I've got black folk, black friends who are for it, those who are against it. I want to have a broad conversation about black folk and the death penalty and how you could possibly be black and be for the death penalty. We'll talk about that part when we come forward with Professor Joy James on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley.
2: I feel like free.
0: Hard talk for curious people just like you. you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and uh, Williams College Professor Joy James, uh, brilliant philosopher, as we talk about the aftermath or talk in the aftermath of the execution of Kenneth Smith in Alabama, uh, put to death uh, with nitrogen gas. Um, First time it's ever happened. It was an experiment. And the experiment resulted in 22 minutes of suffocation. Uh, And... um, My view is, and it's just my view, it's a low point in this experiment in democracy. Uh, I recognize that I don't have a monopoly on the truth. I recognize that there is the truth and there is the way to the truth. And I have to be humble enough to accept uh, and respect the fact that others see things differently than me, Uh, but that's a great uh, leading and I hope Professor Joy James to the issue I said, I wanted to talk about when we came forward and now that we are here, your 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 sense of how, and again, I don't want to indict black folk or, or others, people of color who feel differently than me, as I said a moment ago. but it's it's always a fascinating conversation for me to talk to black folk who are in favor of the death penalty. It's a fascinating conversation. Um, I guess the question is uh, without indicting those who have different opinions, how we frame, how do we go about go about best having a conversation inside of black America? About the death penalty. Does that make sense as a question?
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. And I would say, because we're deep in our culture and we're deeply committed to our families, which are not, our families are no more perfect than other families, mm-hmm. but our families are under more duress and stress because of the anti black history and the anti black <laughs> racism that structures the United States. I mean, this is in part how it becomes an empire.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the way that I look at, at it is we have privilege, you know, to, to, to certain parameters, right, to be for or against something. But we don't have protections if things go wrong,
2: mm. right? Mm-hmm. And
1: so it, sometimes it's it's great to exercise your privilege, but maybe it would be better to be more cautious about the death penalty than greenlighting it. Because the history of our lives collectively and historically have been tied to lynching and other ways, Emmett Till, which is a lynching. Like, our movements are started by extrajudicial killings that nobody does a day in prison for. Does that make sense? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, we could be killed with impunity, and that's not just in the past tense. It's going to be in the present tense, and it's going to be in the future. And so our investment in our families over generations for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren would be to ramp down the violence as best we can in communities, but especially by the state. It is not a proxy God. It, it You know, it would be okay, I'm just being really facetious there, mm-hmm. if it could take I life and restore <laughs> it. But it doesn't do resurrections. Once it kills you, and badly, and does it badly? Like, no, you can get, go to a firing squad in Utah, and that's starting to be the the, the preference of mm-hmm. choice for how to die at the hands of the state. That what century are we in? Mm-hmm. There's there's a way. I'm trying to argue this, maybe not as well as I could, but your listeners, you know, their discussion with their families and their communities. We can't let people kill us who cannot resurrect us. Mm. All right. I agree that some people need to be incarcerated, and I'm I'm an abolitionist, but we are not always in the same note, not singing the same note, until we find an alternative space for people who engage in murder and heinous violent crimes, and there's not sufficient medical intervention or rehabilitation, whatever, then yes, they should be isolated so they don't harm other people and they don't harm themselves. But I never presume the right that a God has that, as I understand my religion, right? No, I, I never assume that I can take life.
0: No, I, I take your point that, that we are not proxy gods. We are not. Uh, I further take your point, and I love the frame you put us in, of privilege versus protection. Um, we do have the privilege. We have the right to be for the death penalty if we choose to be so. That's our privilege. But when you juxtapose that, when you square that against the notion of protection and what happens to you or your family member uh, when in a situation uh, with melanin in your skin and you can't protect yourself, you can't protect them from it, um, you got to square, I I take the point, you got to square your privilege with with this notion of protection. Um, I'm looking at a number of the responses uh, that are coming in to this conversation, Professor James, and this is my favorite one so far. Uh, I asked the question, how can you be black and be for the death penalty? And somebody simply sent back a message and said, This is how for me. And that's their caption to a picture of Dylan Roof. It's a picture of Dylan Roof. And they just said very simply, Tavish, this is how for me. Um,. I, I I feel that. You care to comment on that, Professor James? We all know who Dylan yeah, Roof was, of course. I do. Yeah. I,
1: yes. And then the other person who just got the death penalty for shooting up the Topps grocery store in Buffalo several mm-hmm. years ago. I can understand that. But if I can respectfully respond to your sure. listener, mm-hmm. remember when Obama went to the Amy Emanuel oh, yeah. Church? Can't forget it. And Can't forget we- it. He sang Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. and he wept. And those, that's our sign of humanity. That is not a sign of protection. So even executing, and there are a lot of white supremacists who don't get executed, who are engaged in killing black people, indigenous people, undocumented people. They're hunters, and we're supposed to be prey. So it's, this is not an organized resistance to violence writ large, these are isolates that are promoted in media to make you feel reassured that something got done. Mm. No, there's a whole other crop of white nationalists who would be happy to do ethnic cleansing. Yeah, and so again, it's important that we have mechanisms not to rely on governance to quote save us yeah. or punish in our name, but we have a way to be citizens that we can shape our future and our trajectory
0: to your point about the humanity that barack obama's president put on display in that moment singing amazing grace uh and mm-hmm. you'll recall the families many of those families came out and forgave dylan roof he ain't even asked for forgiveness but mm-hmm. they forgave him um you recall the judge down in texas who hurt who hugged, got came off the bench and hugged the white police woman who walked into the apartment and yeah, yeah, the black Mm -hmm. woman, the black woman judge came off the bench and hugged the white woman, the white police officer who walked into the wrong apartment and killed the brother. Um, Mm -hmm. There, there are all sorts of examples I could, could offer. I don't need to, I got a smart audience um, of the ways in which black humanity is put on display in critical moments for the nation like these. But one has to juxtapose again. Is that word juxtapose one has to square those realities, those images, those moments against the point that you're making that it is the state that sanctions violence against us. So we put our humanity on display in moments like these But that same state that we are a part of, we are fellow citizens in this in this republic, that same state puts more black and brown people to death every single year while we're putting our humanity on display. How does one square those two things? Professor James will respond to that when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. From the Lurk Park with love, this is Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. More of Professor Joy James right now. Professor James, let me just jump right to it. How do you square? How do you balance uh, our always, our being black folk, our uh, always being willing to put on display our humanity against the state's barbarity? Professor James, can you hear me? I cannot hear you. You, yes, I can. There, say you
1: that. there you go. There you go. There you um, go. How do you How do you How do, you, how, do you, how do you
0: balance our humanity with, with the state's barbarity?
1: I don't think that we can balance it. I think we have to build our cultures of resistance. Are you and always watch out for Trojan horses. Mm-hmm. I mean, people perform that they care. I mean, obviously, that pastor performed as if he cared and loved his wife until he didn't, and he wanted a monetary cash out. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say the state is different from the pastor, but I'm also going to say that the state functions in some ways that seems pretty similar to the pastor, right? Mm -hmm. That as long as it can gain, extract, exploit, accumulate, you have some value and some longevity, When you're disposable, you're disposable. And even as we individually, like through your work, Tavis, through the work that your listeners do, their contributions, like, yes, we can see ourselves moving forward. But that doesn't mean that the state has agreed that it would treat us with the the level of humanity, respect and safety that we deserve. It is a predatory state, Again, I'm going to be repetitive. This is how it got to be this rich. Mm-hmm. And so what makes us think that in these individual, you know, prosecutions or these individual executions, that that's a signal that the state is safe for us and our children and grandchildren? There's yeah. n- That's not a real promissory note. That's a performance play.
0: Yeah. Not- if you
1: can't, I'm sorry, if you can't stop the killing. Then you don't trust the killer.
0: mm mm-hmm. I like that. If you can't stop the killer, you don't, you don't trust the killer. Um, I, for, for me, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, you you are you are brilliant because you're a professor <laughs> at Williams College, and I'm just a I'm just a lowly talk show host. But I will tell you this. Oh, stop. I I will tell you this. Um, for me, uh, and I give you a, a litany of reasons why it's difficult for me to be black and for the death penalty I give you a lot of reasons if I had the time. But the one that, you know, that always resonates for me or resonates with me, and again, we've stated this already, is that it's difficult for me to support anything that brings disproportionate harm. And in this case, death to black people. It's just that simple for me. Anything that brings disproportionate harm or death to black people, I cannot be for. It's it, it is it, it's an it's an it is it is it is it's hypocritical to the core. Uh, to say that we believe in the death penalty for some folk, but not for other folk. And so anything, anywhere, anytime, you catch me in the middle of the night, I don't care what it is. If it disproportionately harms, maims, murders, kills black people, I can never be for that thing, whatever it is. I digress. Our remaining moments, Professor Joy James, when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive, progressive. unapologetically blind. Black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. He's right now. Right got a few minutes left here between now and the top of the hour to wrap this conversation uh, with Professor Joy James, Professor of Humanities and Political Science at Williams College. We've been talking in this hour. In case you've just tuned in, uh, in the aftermath of the execution of Kenneth Smith in Alabama uh where they use nitrogen gas Uh, he survived a lethal uh, injection uh where they thought it was going to be a lethal injection uh in 2022 uh and he survived that so the state of alabama comes back in 2024 and says okay we got something we got something else we got something else for you brother uh and they suffocate him to death over 22 minutes with nitrogen gas uh and so uh uh, the application of the death penalty in this country is not just disproportionately racist but now we've gone to another level or a new low in my mind to my point of view by suffocating people to death uh, over again a 22 minute period that is how he was put to death uh in Alabama and the supreme court did not step in obviously to uh, to stay uh, that execution. I, I guess the exit question here in the uh, three minutes I have left Professor James is uh, whether or not your sense is, because it certainly is my sense, that now that this has happened one time it ain't going to be one and done. Uh, there'll be other states and uh, uh, across the country who in the application of the death penalty will, you know, may use this nitrogen gas uh, as as their um uh, process and their procedure. I just don't think that as horrific as this was we have seen the end of this uh, This nitrogen gas thing your take
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I won't you know I don't want to be flipped and say they're just getting started But they're going to be innovative ways to kill people with chemicals and Experimentation as well. I mean, this is what the military also does it tries out different mechanisms of death And I would say on a positive note, Mm -hmm. there are organizations and and there are intellectuals such as yourself and and your listeners who can discern when the state actually cares about you and when it's just running a narrative so that it can control life and death, which is really not its function. So the FTP movement, Common Notions, this year, 2024, really are you know, sharing texts and documentaries about how we could amplify our resources of of care, but also protection for our communities in cultures of resistance. And I want to end with one thing. It's like meditating on... Erica Garner, the daughter of Eric Garner. Mm. So he was killed by the NYPD in 2014, the same year Michael Brown was killed by police, and Ferguson the same year that 12-year-old Tamir Rice was killed by police in Ohio. And so the daughter transitioned from, you know, health issues after giving birth, but also just the stress of bringing honor and justice to her father. These deaths are having an impact to us, even if we don't know about it. Mm There is going to be a level of stress that is going to impact all of us if this death roll continues as it is in a very barbaric and horrific way with no avenue out to reconstruct a democracy that is functional, that can contain violence without performing it as a god.
0: Professor Joy James, author uh, of any number of texts, and professor of humanities and political science at Williams College. They're keeping her busy, but not so busy that she couldn't give us an hour in conversation today. Professor James, I've enjoyed it immensely. Thanks for your insights. Good to have you on this program. We'll do it again somewhere down the road, and all the best to you.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for coming on.